I love John's gospel, don't you? It starts out sort of funny with this race between the two disciples. Running to the tomb, it sort of sounds like a horse race, right? Peter and the disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran. Around the turn they go, neck and neck. And the other disciple got to the tomb first, running, running, outrunning Peter. Stooping, he looks in, he saw the piece of cloth lying there. But Peter, who got there second, went into the tomb. He saw him lying there, and he went, ran it out. And together they believed, and they went home. Isn't that weird? Isn't that odd? Don't you think that's a little bit crazy? Here they hear this news that Jesus is missing. They run to the tomb. They can't wait to get there. This disciple, who again likes to get in, that he's the one that Jesus loved, gets there first, but then stops. Then Peter gets there, goes in, looks, sees that Jesus is gone. It says they believe, but it doesn't say what they believe. And they go home. Mary, on the other hand, does something different. Mary, who obviously is a slowpoke, waits outside, peeks in, doesn't even really dare to enter the space, and yet is given the gift of revelation. Two angels come to her. And then Jesus himself opens the world to her. Opens the doors of heaven to her. And says, woman, why do you weep? Here I am. And she believes. And she runs and goes back to his disciples who are now cowering in a room somewhere. These big, tough disciples have gone to hide. They don't say what they believe because it's really not clear what they believe because they go and hide. While Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, the one who should know better because she's already had seven demons cast out of her, people know she's crazy, can't help herself, can't stop herself from singing the good news. And there ain't nothing in this world that's going to close the door to heaven to her again. Nothing. And that's the miracle of Easter. That nothing is going to close the door of heaven again to Mary Magdalene because Jesus is alive. And truthfully, I could sit down right here and feel pretty good that I preached a good sermon. But I need to clue you in about something. I'm going to move this because I'm not even using this today. Because you folks are going to be graced by two miracles right before your very eyes in a few minutes.
this is going to be the best Easter that you may just ever have. And the first miracle is named Stephanie Buckholtz. Can you come up here, Stephanie? You all know Stephanie, right? Yep. Sweet little Stephanie. How old are you? 80-something. 80-something. <laughs> kind of amazing, isn't it? And you may not know this. Stephanie survived a Russian concentration camp. She was taken from her family when she was 16 years old, right? Did you ever see your father again? No. no. She did ultimately catch up with her mother again, but her father died during the war. The Russians came and went house to house in her town in Romania. She was in the German section of Romania. She was a proud German. We need to say that. But the Russians came to her section house by house and collected all the young women and took them back to Russia to clean up the rubble from the bombings. And that's what Stephanie did for how many years? Two and a half. Two and a half years. She got out, she had typhoid? What did you have? Diphtheria, typhoid, and, and uh, yellow fever. And yellow fever and weighed 62 pounds. And she went to a quarantine hospital. Is that right? Yeah, East Germany. East Germany. And was able to connect with her brother through some sort of miracle and was able to get to the West. And then she met Jerry. Yes. <laughs> her handsome police officer husband who was not allowed to marry her till he was 26, right? That's right. So they waited impatiently. And Jerry dreamed of coming to America, and they did with their son Peter, followed by Klaus and Annette, and were sponsored by Emmanuel Lutheran Church. That's right. Where I heard about her when I was a pastor there. And then... She and Jerry had these children and lived a great life here in Muskegon. And Jerry wrote her a love note every day of their marriage. On little scraps of paper, napkins, post-it notes, whatever. And she was extremely loved and well-loved by him till he died a year ago, which was when I met her. And then last summer, she came to church and here she is. She is a living miracle. Not just because of all that she's been through, but because at any one of those moments, the doors to heaven could have closed for her. At any one of those moments, when she was taken by the Russians, when she was working in the camps, when she was so sick, when she got out and knew she'd never see her dad again, when she went through the reconstruction of World War II, when she came to America, 
and ending even when she lost her husband last year. She could have said, God, and the doors of heaven could have closed for her. I know people who have closed those doors for much less than that. But Stephanie peeked inside, peeked inside, saw the tomb, and heard the voice of Jesus say, Woman, why do you weep? Why do you weep? I love you. And she believed. Happy Easter. Thank you, Sarah. And Happy we welcome Easter. you here. Thank you. In a few minutes. I'm happy to be here. Yes. I want you to sit down and so they can meet their second miracle. Joe. This is our second miracle today. Joe Kenny was Joe Joe, but now he's Joe. He's taming it down a little, right? Yes. A little bit. Not completely, because that wouldn't be him. Of course not. Of course not, but a little bit. And we've known you for like two years since he's come to the Oakerlands. Before he got to the Oakerlands, he'd been quite a few places. Yes. Quite a few places. He was in the foster care system for how many years? Um, two years. Two years. He got adopted by a family who were, my parents. who were his foster parents in Grant. His biological family is rather, <laughs> so that's why he was in foster care. His Adoptive parents then moved to Missouri, which was really hard for him because he just got them, and then they moved. But his sister, who got married, was here, and he stayed. And then he lost his place to live, and a girl that he met at college named Jamie Okerlund said, my grandma takes in stray kittens. <laughs> <laughs> and, a and stray he was. And so he went to live with Juanita Okerlund, who, as you, some of you don't know, is in the hospital today and is sick and sick about not being here for you. Because Juanita is one of the wisest women in the world and has loved Joe to death to life. <laughs> Joe, Joe was also, I always want to call him Joe, 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 sorry, has been part of a church before, but it wasn't a church that loved him like he needed to be loved, which is the way we love, completely, unconditionally, seemingly, hopefully, like <coughs> Jesus. Loving you just as you are. And we've been loving you for two years and hope to do it for a couple hundred more. <laughs> okay. And Jojo has been waiting for this moment for two years. He has been serious and committed about studying, questioning, learning about his faith. I've helped him. Phil's helped him a lot. This young man has written essays about it. 
his faith is important to him. And like Stephanie, really from his birth and his involvement with his family, through being put in the foster care system, to his experience in school, to the other people that have responded to him in life, including another church, the doors of heaven could have not only shut for him, but slammed in his face. And he could have said, God, you are not a God for me. But instead, Zozo peeked in, saw that the tomb was empty. What? Okay, he walked in. Saw the tomb was empty. And knew that it was empty for him. He knew that it was empty for him. And that Jesus said, Jojo, why do you weep? I don't care what anybody says, I love you. And you are mine. And we are so happy to witness that miracle today. That you are his. So people, why do you weep? Look into the tomb. Jesus is alive. Happy Easter. Amen.